6: Welcome to tonight's edition of the probe so despite being able to restructure only what 1.6 billion dollars out of more than 30 billion dollar external debt Ghana expects International Monetary Fund board approval for its $3 billion support program latest by May, and that's according to Finance Minister Ken Oferiata just last week. He's been making a crucial pitch with an assurance to the investor community of Ghana's commitment to restoring economic stability through effective implementation of this particular support program. We'll also be hearing from the Managing Director of the IMF who is meanwhile saying she will personally intervene to enable Ghana to reach a deal with her creditors. But what is Ghana doing to help itself is the key question for many. Tonight we probe Ghana's IMF quest, the Spring Spring. Meeting verdict. We're live from Joy News here in Accra. On radio, we are on Joy 99.7 FM. We are also on a number of affiliates across the Ghana's 16 regions. We're on my joyonline.com and all social media platforms. You can tweet at us with the hashtag the probe. I am MFA Apauru and Ghana's Information Minister Kojo Kojoponkruma joins us live from Washington DC. Uh, Ghana's office at the IMF Headquarters Building One. Joining us live tonight on the probe. Please do join us with your thoughts, your comments as well. You're we very much welcome, especially those nagging questions, so that the Information Minister can provide answers to them. A quick turnaround, then we dig deeper into the issues. Please, stay with me.
0: And, uh, let's keep at it. and um, We have goodwill all around. Uh, we have negotiated in good faith. Uh, with a fund, um, with the Paris club, and now began um, more by external investors, bondholders. Um, And I expect that, you know, the ship will be brought to port uh, in good order. I'm ready to thank Ghanians for the forbearance, very difficult time uh, for all of us, Uh, but I think um, we are um, charting a course uh, that will make our country a lot stronger.
3: Mr. Grateful, um, the delegation is led by the Minister for Finance, supported by the Minister of State, the Governor, and the Deputy Governor, also leading the Bank of Ghana's uh, teams that are part of the delegation. We um, see the directors uh, of the Ministry of um, Finance as well. Um, so we are grateful to you and the team, colleagues. We are grateful, We have worked very
7: hard and very swiftly to have the. Um a program for Ghana, three billion support program for Ghana in place. Uh, we have been urging Ghana's creditors to act swiftly. Uh, my uh, uh, appreciation for uh, also the proactive uh, uh, role of uh, the uh, Minister of Finance of Ghana in reaching out to creditors. Uh, we are uh, expecting that uh, next week there will be. Uh, discussions uh, among creditors and uh, uh, I I can tell you that uh, I use every opportunity myself to urge them to act swiftly. Uh, Let's remember that um, uh, Ghana for a long time uh, has done really well to tap uh, markets to finance uh, its uh, growth path. Uh, It has been uh, uh, like uh, all innocent bystanders hit by COVID, hit by the war uh, in uh, uh, Ukraine, uh, and it has uh, complicated uh, domestically uh, the ability to uh, to finance uh, uh, the uh, the budget. Uh, uh, so, uh, a country that has long track record of sound macroeconomic management ought to be supported to return. To, uh, uh, to markets, so our program is a bridge for Ghana, uh, and, to, and to, to, tell you the, to tell you the truth, I'm actually quite optimistic, I think Ghana is going to move, the, um, the craters are going to move, and we are going to uh, move swiftly. So I guess the short answer to you is stay tuned and stay positive.
6: Managing Director of the IMF, Kristalina Georgieva there, welcoming us back uh, to tonight's edition of the probe. Information Minister Kujo Pongkuma is on the other end, uh, joining us live from Washington. So it's a good time to start talking. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Pleasure uh, to have you on the probe. Maybe we'll have to try and see if we can hear you. Mr. Ponkoma. you will have to unmute, Mr. Pongkoma. Okay, it appears um, he's unable to hear us. Um, Mr. Fongkoma, can you hear me? Maybe we'll try again, uh, if you can hear me, Mr. Fongkoma.
3: Can you hear me now? Okay,
6: I mean, I'm sure um, that that will be resolved. Um, Yeah, If um, we'll be good. So let's um, start off, we know that the spring meeting for this year is ending today, it started from the 10th to the 16th. A number of issues have come up that we'll be digging deeper into a number of questions we have. But uh, let's talk about how it's been so far for the Ghanaian team.
3: Can you hear me, Amifa? Can you hear me?
6: Yes, we can hear you now, Mr. Pongkuma. Um
3: Yeah, thank you. Um, I think uh, first we should put in context what the spring meetings are about. Uh, the um, International Monetary Fund and the World Bank uh, have two meetings a year. They have the spring meetings and then they are the annual meetings somewhere in October. Both meetings give uh, the various members an opportunity to um, converge around and interrogate some of the emerging issues in individual economies and in the global economic space. So the spring meetings generally have afforded members of the fund and the World Bank Group an opportunity to interrogate the various issues that are going on globally in terms of um, uh, global economies. But on the sites of the spring meetings, we've also been having a number of meetings with the fund. Um, yesterday, we had a meeting with the managing director um, of the fund herself, uh, with our um, external creditors, uh, with uh, investors uh, in Ghana, both uh, on the market side, and then in terms of um, you know uh, FDIs and a number of other groups. But I think generally, the testimony is that it's been a good set of meetings. And what remains now is how to appropriate the benefits from all of these meetings.
6: Okay. Well, we understand that um, the Ghana team is going to meet um, these external creditors, the Paris Club. That's the partial creditors committee that was set up. We understand it's this week to try and secure some financial assurances. Is that the case?
3: Um, There have been a number of meetings already, and there will be some more uh, meetings. Um, And these meetings, as I mentioned, uh, have been fruitful so far, giving both the fund on one side and then uh, the sovereign Ghana on the other side, the confidence that uh, things are moving in accordance with our expectations.
6: And what's the status of China as we speak in terms of getting that required financial assurance from them?
3: The feedback that we have is that the minister's uh, trip to China, uh, I think uh, last month or early uh, April, uh, yielded positive results and the uh, Chinese authorities are going through their administrative uh, or their bureaucratic systems uh, to be able to uh, respond to us formally uh, on that. But the indications that we are picking on that are very, 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 very positive.
6: Okay. Well, but one key issue that keeps coming up, once we decided to, when we put out the flyer that we're speaking to you, then the key concern for some, one of the key questions that runs through was, what actually was then the tipping point for which reason we are knocking on the doors of the IMF again? What really was it? Panic? What kind of assessment was done when we were sure that that was not going to happen?
3: I think that's a very fair question. Let's go back to when the announcement was made, July 1, 2022. The government announcement uh, under my hand essentially said that, one, um, having followed the developments, the economic developments, the government of Ghana had come up with uh, an enhanced domestic program to turn around the Ghanaian economy. That was number one. And that number two, the program will require some balance of payment support, BOP support uh, from the International Monetary Fund. And therefore, the president had instructed uh, the minister responsible for finance to start engagement with the fund uh, in pursuance of this balance of payment support. And I think it's a very, very important to uh, refresh everybody's memory that the big answer to the resolution of our economic challenges lies in the hands of the government of Ghana and the people of Ghana. That big answer is within the framework of what we call the Enhanced Domestic Program, or which has been technically named as the PCPEG, the post-COVID Program for Economic Recovery. Now, within that program, you require financing. And that financing will come from a combination of about three sources domestic resources, balance of payment support because we don't have access to the international capital markets, and then you also require some of our development partners uh, to come in. And that's where, you know, you talk of the financing assurances that will come in from the development partners. Now, what was the tipping point? Mm -hmm. The tipping point came when Ghana literally was denied access to the international capital markets. Because to finance our budget and to finance our economy, you need CD and hard currency. No matter the amount of CDs that you have, if you have external obligations that are due in dollars, for example, you cannot pay those external obligations with CDs. If you owe Citibank or you owe the Chinese or you owe the Americans, you cannot pay that with CD. So you need to work on your CD, uh, financing of your economic program, mm-hmm. but you also need to be able to access the currency market so they have access to hard currency for that. Now, remember that a number of things happened that denied Ghana access to the international capital markets. So I'm answering your question about the tipping point. Number one was that because of what had happened with a, COVID, um, primarily, we had to resort to borrowing that we had not planned Mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. And it brought our debt levels beyond sustainable limits. Sometimes when we hear um, government officials or economists argue that um, COVID played a major part in our problem, people like to dismiss it that, oh, they are just blaming somebody. But the reality, and as we came and all other economies are giving their numbers, the reality is that countries had to borrow a lot during COVID because economies went down, and they needed to finance a lot of the interventions. So we had to resort to a lot of borrowing. The borrowing pushed um, many economies, including Ghana, beyond a certain limit. Now, once that happens, the credit rating agencies really don't care about the cause of why you have borrowed to a certain level. They will give a verdict. And the verdict they gave was that our debt had reached a particular level and therefore, in terms of credit ratings, they were going to downgrade our credit ratings. That quickly becomes a signal to other potential investors and lenders who would have ordinarily invested hard currency in your economy. And once those credit ratings came, then you could not access the international capital markets because they had more or less issued a warning to everybody that Ghana's debt had reached a particular level. Never mind what caused it. Mm-hmm. But Ghana's debt It's a particular level. Now, at that warning point, you will not get new inflow of dollars. It's only your reserves that you are now depending on to meet all your obligations, such as buying uh, 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 fuel on the international market, importing essential medicines, importing essential items into the Ghanaian economy. You are now relying on just your reserves. You are not necessarily earning or bringing in new dollars because they have issued a warning and therefore investors are skeptical of investing uh, into the Ghanaian economy in terms of market investors. So you don't have access to the capital markets. That became that's a tipping point. As president said, while we have a big program, the fund remains one of the only places where you can get access to the international capital markets or get access to an inflow of forex to show up the program that you want to uh, run. And that was a point at which on the 1st of July, the president caused to that engagement Uh, to start, and we've been working on it so that we can primarily get access to the uh, capital market. Because if you don't, as demand rises for, for example, the dollar, and supply of the dollar is limited, the price of the dollar will go up. That is what you call depreciation of your currency. And once depreciation sets in, even if the price of the item on the global market has not changed, the price in Ghana will go up, because now it's being bought with a more expensive, may I say, ceiling. And that then culminates into your cost of living challenges that you're having. So that became the tipping point. That was the point that the president made that, um, you know, decision. And we've been acting on his instructions since then.
6: Then what's the confusion with the timelines that has been communicated over the period? Started off March ending. Now we've ended at May. Uh, We're told even that we don't really know if that is really a concrete assurance that you're giving us. What's really the confusion?
3: Again, I think that's a very, very important question. So let's start with the timelines. The very first timeline that was mentioned from July last year was that we expected to use six months to complete negotiations for a staff-level agreement. So that by the end of the year, we'll have a staff-level agreement. I remember, and I, and I think if I recall, I was in your studios on one of these shows when you know, questions were coming in. And a lot of commentary was coming into the effect that it is not possible to conclude a staff level agreement within six months. To the glory of God, the Republic of Ghana was able to conclude the staff level agreement before 31st December last year. So that timeline was not missed. The second timeline that was given was that having concluded the staff level agreement, we need to complete the prior actions.
4: Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket?
3: so that our agreement can be taken to the IMF board for board approval
8: mm-hmm.
3: by the end of March. Now, those prior actions are not actions that the government or the executive branch, Subutu, can execute. The government of its own cannot finish all of those prior actions. You need other people to come together to work with you to meet those prior actions. One of those prior actions, for example, was about the passage of some three revenue bills in Parliament and you know that no matter how the executive branch pushes through, you will still need the collaboration of parliament to be able to pass those, especially, you know, in a parliament where you have um, a number of, um, uh, say, 136 to 138. Uh, uh, um, you need, for example, um, to put in place a debt restructuring program, domestic and external. Mm-hmm. The, the, the domestic may be within your contemplation, but you recall that you cannot force anybody. It's a voluntary exercise that people have to participate in. And if you are not getting the participation and you are having to roll down the dates or more, give extensions, it affects the timeline that you have given. You have external creditors that you have to talk to, those in the Paris Club and those outside the Paris Club, China, India, Saudi Arabia, uh, etc. All of that is not exactly within your domain. But be that as it may, we gave ourselves a timeline of by the end of March. Mm-hmm. We should have been able to finish with these prior actions so that we'll be ready to get board approval. Today is the 16th of April, if I'm correct. That's about two weeks since March ended. So it is that timeline that has uh, not materialized at this point in time. Um, thankfully, all of that work has now been completed. And if you have the IMF managing director herself, and I think you played her inset, she is clear in her mind that uh, Ghana has fulfilled what we need to fulfill and that they can now go to the board and get us board approval. And to quote her, she said, uh, stay tuned and uh, I think um, keep hope alive or But that also like that. depends
6: so- largely on our external creditors that she mentions as well. So that really is out of our control. So we are sure that this May timeline would be the timeline that we are really going to achieve, what we set out to achieve?
3: I think the feedback is that our engagement with external creditors uh, has been very positive so far. I mentioned to you that, first of all, those in the Paris Club um, have had very positive sentiments to express about the kind of uh, work that the people of Ghana and the government of Ghana uh, have been able to do so far. Mm. Uh, Those outside the Paris Club, China, India, Saudi have also given us very positive sentiments, and I've also given those very positive sentiments to uh, the fund. Okay. It is all of that that we expect to come together in the coming set of weeks uh, so that those financing assurances can be issued by the um, external sovereign creditors. And the fund, having received those assurances, can then proceed to the board. Well,
6: we'll get into the questions, but one key issue, since we are talking about the, the debt exchange program as well, let's talk about the total fiscal savings that the government has been able to make. Out of this domestic debt exchange program, I'm sure we can give us uh, some understanding of
1: where we are. And- it's spring Black Friday at the Home Depot, which means it's time to get your outdoor spaces ready so you can enjoy more this season. Right now, you can get the StyleWell Park Point four-piece patio set at a new lower price of 3.99, With its stain-resistant cushions and modern relaxed styling, it's the perfect centerpiece for your porch, deck, or patio, whether you're looking for sunny lounging or evening gathering hurry into the home depot to get the Stylewell park point patio set at a new lower price just 3.99 shop spring black friday savings at the home depot how doers get more done
0: with one of the best savings rates in america banking with capital one is the easiest decision in the history of decisions even easier than choosing slash to be in your band
4: next up for lead guitar you're in
0: Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. And
6: what we are hoping to use it for, how the utilization plan, if there is any.
3: So let me talk about the, uh, the utilization plan first, and then I'll mm-hmm. answer your question about the campus. Um, the challenge. Well, the fiscal challenge that the government is trying to deal with is that there are a number of expenditure commitments, including debt servicing. Mm -hmm. The debt servicing expenditure commitments are based on contracts that were signed with creditors a while back, over the last, let's say, 10, 15 years. You sign a contract with a creditor and you say, give me $10 million. I will pay you over this period at this interest rate. So every year I'll service this percentage of it. So so you have contracts. You put all of those contracts into one basket, and it becomes your debt servicing part of your expenditure commitments. Then you have the, um, may I say, the government operations. So you have item one, which is uh, compensation. Then you have um, goods and services. You have capital expenditure. Then you have debt servicing before you get to amortization, etc. Mm-hmm. So the debt servicing component is based on prior... Contracts that you have signed. Now, the forecast is that if you look at the revenues that are coming in and you compare to these expenditure commitments, government has a difficulty in servicing these expenditure commitments. What's the difficulty?
6: What's the difficulty exactly? Because the
3: revenues that are coming in, so for example, if your forecast of revenues is, let's say, 100 billion, and then based on the expenditure commitments that you have made, Mm -hmm. your expenditure commitments are 130 billion. You then have a gap of 30 billion. So you ask yourself, how much can I prudentially borrow this year? Maybe it's 20 billion. So, in addition to your 100 billion, assuming you meet your revenue target of 100 billion, you can only borrow about 20 billion in addition. But you have expenditure covenants of 130 billion. So, the prudent thing to do is to go to that 130 billion and say, how do I make some adjustments or cuts? To free up some fiscal space of about ten billion, so that at least you balance your budget. Mm-hmm. So one of the instruments is to have a conversation with the creditors that you've signed contracts with in times past, and say, can we change the terms of the contract so that maybe, uh, maybe out of that one thirty billion, your obligation to um, creditors is thirty billion.
8: Mm-hmm.
3: Can we adjust the contract so that it's no longer thirty billion a year, but it's twenty billion a year? if we can adjust it then by raising 100 billion or 20 billion you can then honor the 120 billion obligations instead of the 130 billion obligations so the conversation with creditors essentially was or is how do we adjust the old terms how do we exchange some of the old debts for new debts at the new terms so that the government can honor its obligations and that is the kind of conversation that uh, has been going on. So the, um, the domestic side of it um, was aimed at helping the government to adjust its expenditure commitments to meet the revenues. That's number one. So it's not like there's going to be an alternate use for that money. Okay. It is commitment that you have, which if you look at the forecast, you can't meet. And therefore, you're having to adjust those commitments by exchanging the debts that underline those commitments for new debts. Sometimes you hear debt exchange debt. It's a very simple enterprise of changing the old debts for new debts at terms that the government can honor. Mm. Now, your earlier question was about... On the so total fiscal savings. savings, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so again, just a quick correction. There are no savings here. You are only okay. just adjusting it year by year so that you can meet the obligations. To be honest with you, as of now, there are outstanding parts of that program. Remember that cocoa bonds have not been dealt with. Mm-hmm. The dollar domestic bonds have not been dealt with. They are the outstanding parts that need to be completed. And then when all of those are settled, you have clarity of how much fiscal space you have been able to um, you know, cut out for this fiscal year and if you program it for the subsequent fiscal year. So um, I will pray that we give the technocrats at the Ministry of Finance some time to finish with their cocoa bonds and then their dollar domestic um, bills. Then we'll get a clear sense of how much fiscal space, how much of that expenditure obligation this year, next year, the next four or five years has been, um, may I say, cut back as a result of this uh, intervention.
6: Okay. But we have an idea of the level of the funding gap that um, our external creditors to help out with we have really an idea
3: um i don't want to prejudice the conversation especially because of the financial assurances that are going on because um you know these are different uh, uh, currencies, different countries different currencies some may be willing to do more than the other so i don't want to go into those numbers okay uh, for now i think we should just give them the room to finish and then issue the uh, various levels of assurances, and then we can get into
6: it. Okay. Well, let's bring in um, the audience questions as well. We have a number of them, so let's quickly run through them. Yeah, we're ready. Uh, We'll go through the first one. This is from Estinam. Do we have the finance and assurances that we need yet? You've been touching a bit on it, but we'll go into it. Kay is also asking, how close would you say the government is in securing this particular deal? Susan is asking, would you say the negotiations are broken down between Ghana and the external creditors? Because why is the IMF managing director the one issuing agent appeals to these creditors? Kwamina says, in terms of successes, do you believe the ongoing IMF World Bank Spring meeting has yielded any benefit for the country's quest to assess the IMF bailout? That has been touched on as well. Lord is asking, regarding the specifics, can you share exactly What is delaying the needed assurances, especially from China? So that's the the first batch of questions. Yeah, we want to add more, or we'll we'll take this one first. Okay, well, so let's go through um, this particular batch first, and then uh, we can take more. So, Esnam, you've been talking about it a bit, uh, financing assurances that we need yet. So briefly, uh, if you could add anything to that. Mr. Pongkoba.
3: Financing assurances are expected from the external sovereigns, not necessarily the private lenders. So the sovereigns, i.e., the countries that, you know, um, ex- extend credits to us and do um, business with us. And then the development partners as well mm-hmm. um, uh, as to um, how much they are willing or looking to uh, re-engage uh, with Ghana. Oh, remember I mentioned that the tipping point was because of when we lost access to the capital markets. So, if you don't have access to the capital markets, and other people are giving assurances that they will come through, um, how much is each person more or less contemplating? We are of the humble view that um, the kind of behind-the-scenes conversations that have gone on and the levels that are being spoken about, we will get those assurances uh, pretty, pretty shortly. Okay. And if you, if you, if you, if you want to see the strongest level of confidence, uh, I'll uh, refer you to the IMF managing director's confidence that the kind of conversations that the fund is also having behind the scenes with our uh, external partners gives them the confidence that those financing assurances will be coming through. And maybe I should just go back to a third question about mm-hmm. have the talks broken down? Mm-hmm. If not, why is the IMFMD herself urgently uh, you know, asking countries or the external partners to come, And I think we should go back to her exact words. Maybe if we transcribe her words, we can see what she's saying. What she's saying is that she's been personally urging all of these countries to act swiftly because, and these are her words, not mine, Mm -hmm. Ghana is an innocent bystander that was hit, and that a country with a track record of sound economic management like this ought to be supported. Those are her words. You can play back for your audiences. Somebody may, may may choose not to, you know, hear those words by saying, oh, even the IMFMB is begging for Ghana. But listen to what she's saying. She's urging countries to act swiftly because, as she says in her clip that we played, Ghana is an innocent bystander that was hit and that a country with a track record of sound economic management like Ghana Ought to be supported. And the reason is simple. There's a crisis. We have been affected by it. But if we don't get ourselves out of it quickly, conditions could deteriorate a bit further. And that's why she's urging swift action. For example, one of the ways of dealing with the external creditors is through what they call the common framework. There are about two ways. One of the ways is to either come through dealing with the Paris Club plus China, India, Saudi, or you can go under the common framework. A lot of experts say don't go under the common framework because if you take some of the other countries, I think Zambia and a few other countries, when you go under the common framework, these are different creditors with different models. you never probably get to the conclusion, and you need quick action. Um, because if you don't have quick action, the conditions could deteriorate some more. Um, so when she urges, I think her urging should be understood. And I encourage you, if we have some time, to play back a clip before we end our mm. conversation so that you know all of us can follow exactly what um, she has said. And I'll tie that in with the other question. How close are we to a deal? Um, I think pretty close. That's okay. That's so why
6: 1 to 10, where would you say we are?
3: Pretty close. Uh, okay. That is why you have heard some dates being mentioned. Mm. I share the view that maybe um, we should... Um, um, I toned down on mentioning new dates. The reality is that we hoped to conclude all of this by March.
8: Mm-hmm. We've missed
3: it by 16 days. We have two timelines. The first one, we, we, we were ahead of the timeline. The second one, which is end of March, we've missed it by 16 days. But the assurances coming in the background give us reason to believe that we are very, very, very close. Okay. And sooner than later, we'll get those um, assurances. Have the meetings been successful mm-hmm. so far? Uh, Yes, the spring meetings themselves have been very successful, and our side meetings with the um, various parties, particularly the uh, uh, investors, um, has also been very successful. Investors have very uh, high levels of confidence uh, in the Ghanaian economy, despite the difficulties that we are having, and they have the view that once we get over this hump, um, we should learn lessons and build some robustness. Okay. The well,
6: on last question, uh, also, I think we've been talking about it a bit, but uh, regarding the specifics, uh, he wants you to share exactly what is delaying the needed assurances, especially from China. Maybe briefly on that, then we can go into
3: um, other questions. Well, um, China, China, China is not a democracy um, in the sense of the way that all of us understand it. Uh, China runs a different political system. And therefore, they have to go through some different levels to get their own approval, no matter the initial conversations you may have. Our understanding is that they are going through those bureaucratic um, levels to get the kind of approval that is required uh, so that they can uh, perhaps come to the table with the kind of assurances okay. that we are able to get from them.
6: Okay. Yeah, let's get into the next batch. Uh, we have a number of them, so we can run quickly through all the questions that have come in so far. Uh, we have one uh, from Hashim. He says, the finance minister spoke recently in Washington and mentioned that government is looking at an end-of-May timeline to assess the IMF deal. Now, he spoke the next day and urged caution. What's necessitating this flip-flopping, he's asking? And the same says, some analysts, including Dr. Thuy Champong, Professor Bokping, and Lord Menza, are all asking government to stop issuing timelines. Will the finance minister stop speaking about definite timelines? Xavier. Well, let's go in. Musbal says, is there a fear in government circles that Ghana may be like Zambia, which got a staff-level agreement but struggled or struggling to get the needed external credit assurances to move the IMF deal forward? The next one, and um, we have one from Samoa. It says, what do you say? Okay, this from Joseph. What are the current three taxes, uh, where are the current three taxes the parliament passed? I assume the president has since signed them into law and has the GRA commenced implementation and how is it looking? So uh, that's um, that question. So there's one also I'll add from Samuel. It says, what do you say to calls, first from uh, Dr. Thuy Champong and others, that even before the mid-year budget review, the government needs to present a new or varied budget to Parliament, given the current difficulties in assessing the IMF deal. So, Mr. Pongkuma, let's uh, go through uh, this batch quickly. So, Hashim's own the issue about the flip-flopping. Uh, first, he spoke, and the very next day, asking us to exercise some caution. What really is there?
3: No, so, I mean, I don't think it's flip-flopping. I think um, this is what some people would describe as cautious optimism. Yes, we're optimistic. Uh, that um, it will land well, looking at the kind of uh, conversations that have taken place so far. But I think it's also important to be cautious that um, we are not out of the woods yet. There's a lot of work. In fact, you know, when you get a board approval, that's not the end. That's actually the beginning of the real work. Um, If you recall the press conference we had at the finance ministry, when the SLA was announced, I remember mentioning in our closing remarks that there was a lot of work that needed to be done between the SLA I'm getting board approval, and today time has borne us right. And actually, when we are done with the board approval, it's not the end. There now needs to be a lot of work, first of all, on getting the balance of payment supported program of the IMF, getting it right, and then getting the bigger economic recovery program right um, as well. So, it's cautious optimism, and I think we can all take it in um, good faith. Uh, I think I've already commented on timelines. Uh, We have had timelines so far. One was before 31st December. We did the SLA before that. And we thank all the stakeholders, the people of Ghana, the technocrats at the finance ministry, parliament, uh, all of those who helped to help us get that. The second was to go before board by the end of March. We have missed that by 16 days. Um, and as I explained earlier, because a lot of the prior actions may not exclusively be within our domain. You need other partners to come on board. You were just asking me about China yeah. and all of those other people. But thankfully, I think we are landing well.
6: So for these sure. economists, for instance, maybe we should stop issuing timelines and stick to the work. Then maybe when we are done, we can be giving the timelines or definite ones no, but, for that. Matter. No, but the
3: timelines come when you ask me questions. Remember this evening, you've asked me about three or four times, you know, about timelines. And I have rather been cautious not to mention timelines. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's not like we are happy to be giving timelines. But in transparency and in engaging with the media, sometimes you ask the question, and I think the finance minister officials have shared those timelines with us. I think, to be fair, those timelines have not been very far off. Uh, we just have to ensure that we get it done moving uh, forward. Do we have a fear that we may become like Zambia? Exactly. Still so struggling. We are very, very hopeful that Ghana will not be like um, Zambia. Um, the taxes, I am informed, or the, um, the bills that were passed. But, but,
6: but back to the Zambia really issue, really. What makes us social as a country? Because this is not really, really reading our powers.
3: Yesterday in our meeting with the IMF managing director, and I don't think this is a secret I can share it, she made the point that one of the things that has been helpful in Ghana's case to help us to get a staff level agreement in less than six months between 1st of July and 12th of December. Remember everybody said we couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, according to her, has contributed to that is the speed with which we have negotiated, and more importantly, the seemingly difficult prior actions that the government and the people of Ghana have taken. And for the kind of things that we've had to do back home, have not been very pleasant to anybody. But those very difficult decisions that the people of Ghana and the government of Ghana were able to put together those who volunteered their uh, debts to swap their old debts for new debts, Um, those who took the necessary cuts in expenditure that were announced, Um, those who more or less saw reason with us to help get these revenue measures through. Those very difficult decisions have contributed to Ghana's fast-tracking of our negotiations And if you compare to some of the other countries that have delayed, Mm -hmm. they have not necessarily been able to do that. And so, according to her, it is one of the things that the people of Ghana and the government of Ghana need to be commended for. And that is also why the international community is very uh, willing and ready to help us, having seen how we are willing
6: Mm. to but, but, but a while longer on the IMF managing director, really, uh, we could all tell the excitement all the time when she's talking about Ghana, especially when questions about Ghana comes up, at least watching a few of those press conferences, and every time she's had the opportunity to talk about Ghana. The concern yeah. then is, what really isn't it for the IMF? Why are, are they so interested in Ghana's case? I'm sure it, it's come up a couple of times. Maybe it's a good time to address that for us as a country, really. Yeah. Why are they so interested in our case?
3: Uh, at the last press conference, she actually articulated it, and I just mentioned it out to you, and, and that's what I was asking you to play back. Mm. She said that Ghana is an innocent bystander that was hit, and that for a country with a track record of sound economic management like Ghana, we ought to be supported. But we agree that saying.
6: Ghana has not been the only country hit by these economic situations in Africa, really. We are not the only country, are we?
3: That is true, but that's not the only thing she said. She says that for a country with a track record of sound economic management like Ghana, we ought to be helped. So if you put the two together, yeah, in, in, in answering your question, when I sit in those meetings and I hear the officials of the fund or the bank or the, you know, other organizations under the World Bank speak, they all make the point that Ghana has been a good example. We have challenges. It should be in the interest of everybody. help resolve those challenges. Is the
6: fund not worried that we've been there 17 times and they're still so interested in our case and wanting to help every time we come knocking? They're happy we come knocking all the time? I
3: think, think one, we must remind ourselves that we are members of the fund. Mm -hmm. We contribute to um, all sort of things that go on here at the fund because the fund is a group of countries that come to share common Uh, practices and lessons on how to manage economies. The fund has various levels of support for economies. One of them is the extended credit facility, or the ECF, which is available when countries get into difficulties like what we have gotten into. Our difficulty, remember, is our inability to access the international capital markets. Why? Because we've been downgraded by the international credit agencies. Mm. Why? Because we were hit by a challenge, and that challenge uh, necessitated our borrowing beyond uh, our program. Borrowing beyond program, credit ratings then scored us down. You couldn't get access to the capital markets. There's no demand for dollar to meet all sorts of necessities, and so we opted to come to the fund. Um, in terms of the Ghanaian economy, uh, the kind of sentiment you see from investors generally gives you the Um, feedback, that there's a lot of positive sentiment about the ability of the Ghanaian economy to bounce back, and that we need to importantly learn lessons from what has gone on, uh, so that we can bounce back and get on uh,
6: that. So the assurance, at least, that we can give is that um, Ghana is not being caught up in any geopolitics whatsoever, you would say?
8: Um, I
3: think here at the fund, you have All the players at the table you have china at the table you have the west at the table in the midst of all of these and when you go to the imf board all of these countries are um, represented the entire geopolitics of the world is represented so even if there's geopolitics it will be resolved at the board table. And if the world decides that Ghana should be supported, Mm. you cannot say, therefore, that it is because of geopolitics. Okay. Well, we'll take someone's
6: question on the issue about uh, Dr. Theo Champung and others that even before the mid-year budget review, the government needs to present a new or varied budget to parliament given the current difficulties in assessing the IMF deal.
3: I mean, let's go back. In my... um, Answers to your questions. I mm-hmm. said we have a bigger economic recovery program which we announced on the 1st of July in the statement that was under my signature, under my hand. That program, the Enhanced Domestic Program, which mm-hmm. after all the consultations we've rechristened the PC mm-hmm. is the big program to get us out of the economic challenge which we are. Remember 2017, 2018, 2019, our economy was on the rise. Okay. Then we had a challenge. And following that challenge, we drew up a program called the PCPEG. The PCPEG requires three instruments of financing. You need CD to fund it. It's called domestic resource mobilization. You need hard currency. You would have ordinarily gone to the capital markets. But because you've been downgraded and you don't have access, that's why you need the fund to come in and give you that plug. And then you need the third level, um, financing from the development partners. That is the financing assurances that you are looking for, uh, which, um, from all intents and purposes, we are uh, close to um, securing. Mm. So, um, you, can,
6: you can conclude on that.
3: No, so so if you put all of that together, you have clarity of um, what we are looking for at this stage. Now, if by the time we do, let's say, quarter, quarter, Uh, one assessment, because remember, we've just finished quarter one, January, February, March, we've just started quarter two, April. If by the time we get midway into quarter two, there's reason to believe that, for example, domestic resource mobilization is not performing. There's reason to believe that the uh, fund um, ECF is not coming through, or, and, that the um, financing assurances from the development partners is not coming. Then you have a basis to reconfigure your budget. Where we stand now, um, I don't think that we should look to the fund ECF or the balance of payment support only as the panacea to our problems or as a reason for which domestic uh, resource mobilization should not even, uh, you know, function. So I think it's early days yet. Let's give it an opportunity to uh, function, and then, you know, those determinations can be made. Let's talk about the
6: three taxes. It was key. Um, You wanted it passed, at least. We heard you talk about it. But um, the question Joseph is asking is, he assumes that the president has assented, really. What's the status of these three taxes? Take your time and Give us
3: updates on it. I talked with the counsel to the president, Mr. Koresuman, and he uh, informs me that the president has assented to them and that it has been returned to the clerk of parliament. That's the brief I have on that asset now.
6: Okay, so it's been assented to, as we speak, that's the status of these three taxes.
3: That is a brief I have from Council to the President. And my information is that it has been returned to the Clerk of Parliament. And I'm sure they will now, uh, you know, get into the transmittal process so that the GRA, etc., can now start
6: implementing. Okay, but we don't know the timelines as to when all that will happen so that the GRA will commence uh, implementation.
3: I don't have timelines on that. It's already over. Do you remember that uh, these were revenue measures that were mentioned in the November budget Mm -hmm. and we delayed in um, getting it passed? Uh, So it is already delayed and it may therefore be important that we fast track implementation.
6: Okay. Well, let's um, then get into uh, some other um, questions also. Uh, That is coming, at least. We are also checking um, from our social media platforms. But let's talk about Does government not also want to help itself by also cutting expenditure? This is something that most economists, Ghanaians, have been talking about for some time now. You're out there asking uh, for the support of the world. What are we doing to help ourselves as a country?
3: I mean, I think it is, first of all, a fair question. Uh, Secondly, I think it's also fair to remind ourselves that already some cuts have taken place. Um, In addition to those cuts, I think it is also fair to continuously examine where some further cuts can take place. Mm -hmm. I have never attended any uh, meeting in government where anybody has said that our eyes and ears are closed to um, making any further cuts. From what I know, um, government is very open to any further cuts that um, it can do to ensure that uh, pressures on expenditure are held in abeyance. Uh, But, for example, we are the same people who are asking for um, some more public sector jobs. We are the same people, and that is item one. We are the same people who are asking for um, the budgetary allocations of ministries uh, to be released so that they can deliver on the social contract that we have. That's item two. We are the same people who are asking for more roads in our constituencies. That's item three, capital expenditure. Um, we are the same people who are asking for exemptions from the DGEP, uh, uh, which go into the um, interests or the debt servicing uh, bucket. So in one breath, we are, we, are, we are all agreeing that government should as much as possible look to ways by which it can cut on its expenditure commitments. In another breath, we are all demanding um, our share of the national cake so that balance is what government needs to uh, strike. And I think that a continuous examination will get us there.
8: Mm,
6: I think um, as part of expenditure cut, I don't know if um, b- briefly, as at the year 2023, what kinds of savings we've been able to make when we talk about the fact that government has cut expenditure. You know, How much really have we made from that? Do we know?
3: Mm-hmm. I think the 2023 outtakes will come out in first quarter 2024. I think that's when the outturns will um, come out. I think the outturns uh, for 2022 are now about coming out from uh, the finance ministry. That's first quarter 2023. And okay. it will give us a real sense of, um, you know, in terms of nominal, how much has been saved. But you can just look at the deficit as a guide. Did we exceed the deficit or did we stay within deficit despite the fact that revenue underperformed? And I think that um, the data speaks for itself that despite the fact that revenue, underperformed total revenue underperformed we did not exceed the deficit for the year 2022 so while we are looking at the nominals which will be coming out at the end of uh, uh, quarter one already you can see that indication that um, we have not gone beyond the bar okay with the
6: team um currently at at the the spring meeting how many are we are we able to tell as part of cuts we want to know how many of us are in washington dc for these meetings, which are mostly virtual?
3: I think that, well, no, it's not true that these meetings are mostly virtual. That is not correct. Um, a lot of these meetings are uh, in person. So um, I don't think that's a new dynamic issue introduced. I know the Minister of Finance himself is leading the team. I know the uh, Minister of State uh, for Finance came in briefly. He's gone back to Accra. Uh, I have been here um, supporting um, the Minister from, I think, the fourth day or so on a number of specifics, Um, and then there's a technical team of about three directors uh, from the ministry, the director of debt, the chief economist, um, the two of them, and then the director of the financial sector, um, who are here.
1: Okay, well, there's uh, an issue on the. Pre- it's spring Black Friday at the Home Depot, which means it's time to get your outdoor spaces ready so you can enjoy more this season. Right now, you can get the StyleWell Park Point four-piece patio set at a new lower price of three ninety nine, with its stain-resistant cushions and modern relaxed styling. It's the perfect centerpiece for your porch, deck, or patio, whether you're looking for sunny lounging or evening gathering. Hurry into the Home Depot to get the Stylewell Park Point patio set at a new lower price—just three ninety nine. Shop Spring Black Friday savings at the Home Depot. How doers get more done?
6: repayment for these loans, uh, we know that they've all been put off till after twenty twenty four.
3: What are
6: you talking about? So that's uh, most of them. We are told about we what measures that are in place for the country to meet the debt sustainability by twenty twenty eight. For instance, really, it appears that most of these loans that we are taking, we will not pay until what, 2028, 20, amongst others. The concern is, it appears that government may be shaking that responsibility for those who will come after this particular government to take up.
3: So, um, I think, even when you look at it, um, we cannot talk about a shaking of responsibility in the sense that government will still have to pay what it owes. Mm. The question is, how much do you pay in a particular year, looking at the revenues that are coming in? You have old contracts that put expenditure obligations on you, how much of it can you settle looking at the inflows that are coming in? And it is the adjustment of how much you can settle in a year. That government has been discussing with the various categories of um, creditors. So I don't think it's a shirking of um, responsibility mm-hmm. or it's um, a, a decision by government not to pay. Government will pay. It happens that this is a time when these conversations are going on and this restructuring is taking place. And so there's been a suspension um, At this time, when these conversations are taking place, the expectation is that when it is done and the debts have been exchanged for new debts at new terms that enable government to match its expenditure commitments with its inflows, then there will be a full resumption of those payments moving forward.
6: Okay, so if you recall, a part of the DDE uh, bondholders um, together with the finance ministry, there was a technical team that was put together, I think about seven member technical committee, and they came up with um, some recommendations um, to government as part of how we can make some savings and then also yeah. make the DDE successful. Really, yeah. uh, w- where is that particular recommendation? We've been talking about it for some time now. Is there a roadmap well, for actually implementing those recommendations?
3: Yes, you will recall that the original um, set of new debts that were published by the Ministry of Finance Mm -hmm. are not the ones that have been settled on. The very original one that was published had to go through a rigorous process of adjustments and new ones were issued, I think, three or four times Mm -hmm. before the settlement, the final settlement. A lot of that work, those adjustments, were informed by the recommendations of... um, this committee of experts that was put together to advise um, the Ministry of um, Finance. Um, That enabled the Ministry also negotiate better with the various categories of creditors to adjust those original, uh, may I say, debts that were offered as new debts in exchange for the old debts. So those recommendations, though they were not made public, my understanding is that have been factored into the uh, thinking of the Finance Ministry, and that is what is translated into the new debt instruments that were issued which were then I think about 85% subscribed uh, by the various categories of um, debt holders or creditors.
6: Mm. So pensions exemptions now we're told it's back really. What was the explanation
3: there? I was at a press conference with the minister a couple of days ago and this Mm -hmm. question came up and uh, he explained. So I'm going to repeat to you exactly what the minister said. The minister explained that the domestic debt exchange program, as was announced, with mm-hmm. the terms that were announced, is closed. That closure included the exemption of the um, pensioners. There was an MOU that was signed with the pensioners that says that they will not be part of that, but that they will examine ways by which, between them and government, they can come up with other instruments
8: mm-hmm. that will
3: help government solve the same problem it wants to solve, but without disadvantaging. The pensioners as the envisage was being done in the domestic debt exchange program and the minister explained that what they are doing now is engaging with the pensioners pursuant to that moe that can we look at a new way of helping government solve its original problem without disadvantaging you in a manner that you envisage was being disadvantaged in the first one and that is a kind of conversation that was um or that is going on um alongside the other conversation of dealing with the um, the cocoa and then the dollar um, bonds, that is a conversation that they are having with the press. That was the explanation that the minister gave uh, in his press briefing a couple of days ago. In fact, tonight he has another press briefing um, with the um, Ghanaian media and other press houses that are here. Uh, and uh, already we've received a lot of questions um, to that effect. And I think that some more engagement will help clear it up.
6: Okay. Well, um, Mimi has a question, and she says a key concern is government's expenditure. There are hints that cutting down on expenditure and size of government is on the table. Is that correct? As part of talk with our external creditors, has it come up? Government size, has it come up?
3: No, not that I am privy to. I haven't heard that come up in any of our meetings with external creditors so far. But I answered you earlier by saying that I've never been to a meeting of the government of Ghana where it has been said that, the doors are closed to any possible ways of cutting expenditure. the doors are not
6: closed, when exactly are we seeing action, especially with government size?
3: There has already been action. I've already mentioned to you that, if you asked that, so what are the outcomes for 2022? And I reminded you of the timelines, that Mm. the timelines are now due for the numbers to uh, come out. Because there's already been action on various um, levels. And I've mentioned that the doors are not closed to further cuts as are being examined. And as we go through, and as we examine some more, there are places where some more cuts can be done. It makes sense to make those cuts.
6: Mm-hmm. But um, as in the number of ministers, that we are not going to see any, um, you know, cut reduction in that size. Are we ever going to see that?
3: The understanding I have is that Parliament does not even share that. view.
6: The Parliament does not share the view that the number of ministers should be reduced.
3: No. We so? saw what happened in Parliament the last time. Um, uh, literally that question was put on the table despite all the conversations the last time it was put on the table you saw the numbers so parliament as a body does not even share that view I but as I have mentioned and, and, and listen the reason that parliament doesn't share that view for example I am a minister of state I don't get paid one city as a minister of state I get paid as a member of parliament so whether I was a minister or not my cost to the um, Ghanaian Republic will not change. And a good number of these ministers that are spoken about are members of parliament. It doesn't cost the taxpayer any extra because they are paid as members of parliament. This is very different from the previous scenario where you had um, persons who were being paid as members of parliament and at the same time being paid as ministers of state. But I don't want to get into those... um, um, arguments we sometimes get partisan etc number one some cuts have been made number two the doors are not closed and any um, opportunity to do some cuts I think it makes sense that government will respond to those opportunities
6: okay Mr. Bonkoma at this point uh, we will leave it here and we look forward to, to that press conference also um, to be held by the finance minister George Riafay is there for us so we will definitely bring you a live updates but maybe a word or two from Washington just before we go
3: Yeah, I think that um, we have to uh, commend the Ghanaian people um, for uh, keeping faith with um, the government, even in these very difficult times, even for some of the very difficult decisions that have had to be made by the um, government. I think the global community is very commending that uh, because of these steps, the world is able to rally behind us quickly and support us. We have to hold government accountable to, one, an implementation of the BOP support program, and two, the broader implementation of the economic recovery program. We have to all then also find out what is our various roles in helping the Ghanaian economy recover and rise up to um, that role. And I think that together uh, we can get our economy back onto those high heights uh, before we were hit by these challenges.
6: Mr. Pongkuma is Ghana's information minister. I am MFA Pau. And that's it uh, for tonight's edition of The Probe. There's more when you log on to myjoyonline.com. For our radio audience, A Walk With Jesus It's up next. Have a good evening.